Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Pat, she was flying out of uh, Bainbridge uh, and uh, was a world-famous crop duster. Uh, Patch has more flying hours than any pilot alive today. Uh, he's a mess, I'll tell you. Uh, he's had a hard time recently. Uh, uh, he still loves preachers, but I'm going to tell you, he was going to Dothan, Alabama, and unfortunately, a preacher pulled out in front of him. He's riding his motorcycle. And I mean, it did a job on him. He almost died. So I've been to the hospital several times, to his home several times, and I keep calling him to give him encouragement. Uh, he's, uh, he's just a world-class, unbelievable guy. So pray for Patch. He's, uh, uh, he's just uh, really needing our prayers. Have you ever been down? Boy, when a pilot is down, there ain't no worse place to be than down. Uh, so you just pray for him. I got to thinking as I was uh, watching the newscast the other day just how tenseful our society has become, uh, so oppositional. And most of the time people would say uh, it goes back to the home. It goes back to the absence of men in the home. It goes back to this and that. And so I got to thinking about that, so I, I wrote a uh, note down and I designed a little message here entitled, Where are the Men? I want you to turn with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 21, Ephesians 5, 21, and we're going all the way to 31. So uh, if you'd like to stand while we read that, that'll be fine. If you can't stand, that'll be good to just stay where you are. I started with verse 21 because... As a matter of fact, verse 21 is a pivotal verse in that whole chapter. And uh, while you're standing, I want to tell you, I'll, I'll just tell you after I read it, all right? Uh, let's read. Are you ready? The Bible says to submit one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Father God, thank you for loving us. And I pray, Heavenly Father, as we share this morning, that your word and the scripture will be burned deeply in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. This generation has been characterized by the absence of spiritual leadership. So many people have made that so 
real and vivid. The family is supposed to be the most important thing in our life, and everything else should revolve around the family. Stephen Farrar, the great writer, said this, Leading a family through the chaos of American culture is like being on patrol in enemy territory. And I'm sure when you uh, really parse what he's trying to say is, man, it's, it's, it's really difficult. It's really difficult for an adult uh, to go through this culture in which we live because there's so many things that uh, we don't like. Then we begin to ask ourselves the question, is the culture changing the church or is the church having any effect on the culture at all? Dr. Dobson says this on Focus on the Family. We are at a crossroads in American culture. We must make a new commitment uh, to our family. At a crossroads. And I think we are. I really do. Now on the lighter side, have you ever read anything by Louis Grizzard? You know, Louis Grizzard wrote a book one time after he got a divorce. And he said, the title of the book, is she jerked my heart out and stomped that sucker flat. Uh, so you can imagine uh, what I'm fixing to say about Lewis, all right? Lewis Regard says real men don't eat quiche. Now, I have to differ with him because I cook quiches, and I like them, and I'm a real man. Amen? All right, thank you. Then here's another one. Real men won't ask for directions. I don't know what that is. I think when we were in, uh, an angel at birth whispered in our ear, men, and said, uh, don't ask for directions. And then he says this, real men don't uh, signal for a fair catch. You know, and uh, you have to be a football fan to understand that. Now, I want to interpolate this a little differently. I've got some things I want to say about real men. Uh, let's put a spiritual twist on this thought. The number one thing that I'm going to say is simply this. Real men love Jesus Christ and desire to follow Him. Uh, I believe that that's uh, the bottom line. Real men love Jesus Christ and they desire to follow Him. Uh, There's nothing wrong with following Jesus. Amen? Uh, We need to understand that following Jesus is where it's at. If you follow anyone else or anything else, you're going to get off course. And incidentally, the word sin in the Greek is harmartia. Harmartia. And harmartia means to wander and miss the mark. So if you do not follow Jesus Christ, men, you're going to wander and you're going to miss the mark of your calling, not only as a man, but also as a spiritual leader for your family. Secondly, real men love their wife and want to help her in every way. Well, I shouldn't have said that, I reckon. Uh, Yes, that means in every way. You, You love your wife. And uh, it's important to do that. Amen? Help her in every way. Uh, Men, I want to 
just digress just a moment and tell you that most of us have little quirks. Some of us are impulsive. I've, I've found through counseling for many years that men are a little more impulsive than women. There are two things that a man cannot pass in life. That's a Chick-fil-A and an ATM. You know, we, we, we have a problem with that. ATMs have caused so much trouble in life. Amen. And another thing about it, men, when we do go to an ATM, we don't save the receipt and give it to our wife. You know, so that creates another situation. And sometimes we do things without really thinking we're impulsive. Let me give you a for instance. Were you around when the CB radios came out? Do you remember when they came out in the early 70s? Late 60s, really, in the early 70s. Well, I got in a car with my friend who was taking me to work. His name was Lee Saunders, who became the safety engineer for Southern Company. Lee and I were very, very good friends. Thank you. He picked me up one morning to drive me to work simply because my car wouldn't work. I had a 1953 Willis. And it didn't have a starter. So I had to park it on a hill, and my wife would get out with me early in the morning, and we'd push it off. That's how I got to work. This morning, the hill wasn't high enough, and it wouldn't crank. So anyway, Lee picked me up. And as we started off down the street, something came on, said something like this. Hey, Lee, you got your ears on? And I said, oh, my, what is that? And Lee picked it up and said, hey, come on back, big good buddy. And he was talking to Larry McDaniels, who was also on my crew. Now, here's Lee on my crew and Larry McDaniels, and they're communicating. Uh, Lee lived over there close to me in East Macon, and Larry lived in West Macon. I got to think, man, they're talking to one another across the whole city here. What's going on? So we got to work. Lee told me, he said, yes, this thing's real popular now. I said, we're all getting one. So anyway, here's what I did. I, uh, I said, I got to have one. Uh, and so <clears throat> after work, Lee took me by the CB shop. I bought one. You remember it had a long aerial, you know, big old thing. And I got me a starter pack. I got it all, mountain bracket and everything. And so I didn't know what to do with it because I hadn't been married that long, and I slid it under the bed. And so have you ever slid anything under the bed, men, or hide it in the closet or put it in the garage? Anyway, here's what happened to me. I uh, got finished with supper. She was clearing the table away. My grandmother was there. And so I went in, and I put it on the couch. I had a big old antenna, CB radio. And uh, <clears throat> when we got through eating supper and came in to watch the, the television for a while, that evening she looked over there and she said, Oh, what's that? And I said, Well, Carol, I just want you to know this. You'll never be alone. And that's a good come on, isn't it? You'll never be what, I won't never be alone. What do you mean? I said, it's, it's, it's for protection. I went and made all kind of a, things up. And I said, 
It's a CB radio, honey. You, it's a two, you can just talk to anybody that's got a CB radio. She said, who's got a CB radio? I said, Jimmy McDaniels and Lee Saunders. She said, oh, I can just talk to two people. I said, no, a lot of people have them. This is a, it's a fad. It's a good thing. So to make a long story short, she said, isn't that something? you got a car that won't even start. You know? you got things that don't even work, and you bought a radio to go in, a car that you've got to get rid of. We don't even have a way to go. I'm riding the bus to work. And I'm, I'm telling you, as she started talking, I used to be almost six feet tall. So the next morning when Lee came to pick me up, I was holding the antenna and the CB radio. He said, she wouldn't let you have it, would she? I said, well, we had a big argument, and I think I need to take it back. Uh, and I can tell you a whole bunch of stories, but I bought her a shotgun I thought she needed to one time. And uh, since she didn't want it, I told her I'd, have, I'd, just, I'd keep it, you know. But men, men, sometimes if we're not careful, we don't communicate with each other like we should. And communication is a real key. It really is. So you have to understand that in order for us to be real men, we have to have real communication. The Scripture tells us, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another out of reverence and love for Christ. Now, that word submit means to line up under. Line up under the authority of Christ. That's a military metaphor. Line up under the authority of Christ. And then when you communicate with yourself, there are three communications and three submissions listed in this Scripture. They're inferred. To get communication from yourself. Have you ever taken an honest evaluation of yourself? It's kind of interesting. You know, that's what this scripture implies. How are you submitted? Then in order for you to answer that question, you've got to give an honest evaluation of your own heart, your own intents. And then you have to communicate with yourself honestly and then commit things to the Lord that you need to commit before you move on in headship. Commitment to Christ is the number one thing that men need to do. And once you get that communication with yourself like it ought to be, then you you can take the deficits that you have and the needs that you have and take them to the Lord. I used to have a bad, bad temper, okay? Uh, I grew up fighting all my life because my daddy moved us around so much and I had to to fight. I played football and I fought. I boxed. I boxed in boys' clubs and golden gloves. And uh, I'll tell you, it, I, I didn't care how big you I, you know. I didn't fight Jason, you know. I mean, I, it, it didn't bother me how big you were. Uh, if I could get the right punch in, you wouldn't be too tall. And I just had a bad temper. And I, you know, woo, I got in so much trouble. Uh, and I used to just fly off just like that. Bam! Didn't take very much, just a little disagreement with me, you know. And I, I was in the principal's office a lot. I got, uh, had to sit on the bench playing football for fighting the quarterback one day. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just really interesting how God can change your life. And so I had to admit that I had a real problem with my temper. And I prayed and asked God to forgive me of my temper. Help me, Lord. Help me with my temper. The scripture that helped me the most was uh, uh, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Casting 
down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that helped me out of my impulsiveness. And I would begin to quote that scripture and say, God, help me. And over a period of years and time, man, let me tell you, my temper dissipated and it went away. Now, I can still get upset, but I'm not anything like I used to be. I told my wife, pray for me because I've asked God to take my temper. And uh, I got a reply like, well, (laughs) that's a good thing, you know, because only he can do it. And that's the truth. And so, men, listen, if we're going to lead our families like we ought to, we've got to look at those things in our life that we communicate to ourselves, and then take self to the Savior. If you take self to your wife or self to your husband, you're going to be in serious trouble because you're going to stay there with all of those things that we have talked to each other about and all those things that we have been unwilling to say that are really in need of help. But the wonderful thing is, once you realize it through the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, that you've been honest with yourself and you take yourself to the Savior, He's going to say, good boy. You know, He's going to say, that's the right thing to do. And then He's going to help you. Uh, I'm a living example of that. I really am. And I'm sure that you are too. So He helped me with my impulsiveness. Now I try to plan everything. I, I try to talk cross T's and dot I's. You know, I try to do things that are uh, helpful and not hurtful or harmful. You know, uh, I, I try to communicate. And I'm hoping that uh, I'm even a better communicator now than I've ever been in sharing. But men, sometimes if we're not careful, uh, we can just feel privileged because we are a man. And that's not a good thing. Uh, we're privileged because we're a child of God. And when we're a child of God, we have to commit and follow Him. Line up under the authority of Christ for your life. Here's an interesting triangle. If you just draw a little triangle and you put self and you put spouse and you put Savior at the top, you, you communicate with yourself. You take yourself to the Savior and likewise our spouse and then we communicate with each other and share with each other. Things get a lot better. It really does. And I found out something. Uh, When you're willing to honestly take a uh, self-examination, it's hurtful. You know, that's the reason a lot of people don't like to read the Bible because it, it, it opens up all those inner things that you don't want to talk about or share. Uh, sometimes it, it explodes, and you go, man, I can't handle that. And then we say things like this, well, I got my own ideas about that. I got my own thoughts about that. Well, that's the problem. Your ideas and thoughts are not God's ways. God said, listen, if you bring yourself to me and line up under my authority, I got good news for you. You can go to headquarters then, and you can get your orders from me about anything, anytime, anywhere. And he's never going to tell you the wrong thing to do. Before the home is what it should be, I believe that every man must be lined up under the authority of Almighty God. I really do. And when we are lined up in that fashion, our life changes, our home changes. 
everything gets a lot better. Life and its struggles are battles are difficult. If you line up under God's authority, you can surely win. And I want to ask you a simple question. Where are you lined up? Are you lined up under the authority of God? Are you? Or do you still do things because that's the way you were taught growing up? Or the way you think things should be? My father grew up in a bad home. He did. He grew up with an alcoholic father. Uh, I remember when I was a little boy, three years old, my daddy took me. We rushed uh, down to Broadway Street in Macon, Georgia, where my grandfather uh, had gone to bed, inebriated, and spilt uh, alcohol in the bed. He was smoking. He caught the bed of fire and burned him up. And I, I, I was there when they brought him out. And my daddy was holding me. I remember that vividly. And the last words my grandfather said was, Bill, I did it this time. He really did. He ended his life in a horrible fashion. My dad grew up in a, lot, in a home where the father was absent. And so he had a lot of deficits in his life simply because he didn't have a father to instruct him. He didn't have a father to encourage him. He didn't have a father to be there with him on a daily basis. And it was tough. And so he didn't know what to do when things went wrong in our home. He would overreact. That's where I got my temper from. Yeah, I'm serious. Uh, man, listen, he didn't know uh, how to discipline in a, in a normal fashion. He, he really hurt me when he would discipline me. And it got to the point to where when I was older, I would tell him, uh, that's not going to happen like that anymore, Dad. I love you with all my heart, but you're not going to hit me again. And I meant it. And you know, listen, it is so important to have a dad who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I thank God that in my life I saw my daddy come to Christ. I saw my daddy walk the aisle. I was there when he was baptized. I was there when my mother was baptized. And I thank God that he changed. It was amazing and a miracle. I was doing a conference in Macon, Georgia some years uh, before he died. And I didn't know he was even in the church. It was a large church. And when the invitation was given, I looked up and here come my dad down the aisle. Tears streaming down his face. And I looked up at him and he grabbed me. And he said, son, will you forgive me? And I said, for what? He said, because... I was, I was such an awful father. He said, I didn't know what to do. And I, didn't, I didn't really know how to act. Can you find it in your heart to forgive me? And I said, oh, Dad, I've forgiven you many years ago. And he said, I needed to have this talk. And we got on our knees and we prayed. One of the sweetest times of my life. I'm just going to tell you, Jesus Christ makes all the difference in this world. Amen? He does. Secondly, commitment to your wife is in this scripture. Commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, men, and then commitments to your wife. Here, listen. Uh, to be the head uh, simply means to be other-oriented. 
Submission is when both of us are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. The word authority, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. The wife has not power of her own body but the husband, and likewise the husband has not power of his own body but the wife. That means controlling authority. That means a reciprocal relationship, a reciprocal life. That means it's a 100-100 position, not a 50-50. That means, men, we give 100%. Incidentally, when the Bible tells us that we're husband and wife, and the husband is to be the head of the wife, that simply means that we are absolutely the spiritual leader of our home. It doesn't mean that we are the ruling authority in that person's life. Only Jesus Christ is that. The word controlling authority uh, is exercised when both parties are complementary and reciprocal. That's exactly what that means. So we are to be the head of our wives. Spiritually, we're equal in God's eyes. In the family, God has a way of us lining up. And that means to line up under His authority, line up under His will. Now, there are times when those roles are demonstrated more profoundly than others. Uh, may, may I speak to the lady of the house? Uh, are you the man of the house? Yes. Some years ago, I was reading the memoirs of a missionary who was in Africa. And uh, he preached and taught to those people uh, for weeks and months and even years. And finally, the chief brought all the men of the village together. And they had a real come-to-Jesus meeting. And the chief had been converted. And he told those men... I'm not going to make you accept Christ, but those of you who have accepted Christ, I want you to go out 30 paces from your hut or your home, and I want you to build a prayer altar. And the missionary recorded in his journal that the chief, on occasion, would walk behind the houses to see if the path to the prayer altar was used. And if it wasn't, he would come back to that person and knock on the door and check what's wrong. Why haven't you used your prayer path? Why haven't you been praying at the altar that you built? I'm going to ask you to say, to look at your heart, men. Are we that kind of leader? Are we that kind of person? Do we love our wife in such a way that we're willing to do anything and everything we can, not only to provide for her, but to protect her? That is so very important. Love your wife. That's more than affection. That's more than romantic attachment. It's more than passion. This love here comprehended what God intends marriage to be. It is a love that is just absolutely awesome when it comes from God. It is a love that protects. It is a love that provides. It is a love that is willing to sacrifice. And I'll tell you this, men, if you move your wife a little higher on your priority list, man, that, that changes things too. It really does. Uh, I, I read to you uh, for Father's Day what is probably some of the oldest scripture uh, in the Bible. Some say that Job predates Genesis. It's said about Job, there was a man who lived in the land of us whose name was Job. And this man uh, feared God, and he eschewed evil, and he was upright. And the Bible says, and he had 
seven sons, three daughters, and it goes on and talks about all of his possessions. And I didn't think when I read that to really take the introduction that seriously. Then I went back and I began to look at every phrase. And then it dawned on me that the oldest book in the Bible, men, has it right. The first thing that was mentioned about Job is his relationship to God and his character. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that something? And then secondly, his relationship to his family. And then thirdly, his relationship to things. And I think that's the way it ought to be. And I tell you, men, when you move your wife into number one position, it changes. It changes not only how you react and act, it changes how you have any kind of quality in your marriage and relationship. We love our Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is He that calls you uh, who will also do it. Listen, we need to be worthy of that love. We need to be worthy of the love of God. And you need to be worthy of your wife's love. You really do. Uh, When you are worthy of that love like Christ our Heavenly Father is worthy of all holiness and praise and love, it just makes things totally different. Oh, I wish I could I wish I could talk to every person that's going to be married, every person who's dating and every family and just let them know the difference that Christ can make in their life. You just have to know that when you're lined up under the authority of Christ, things will work out. And then thirdly, and I'll mention this quickly, commitment to children, relationship to children. You have a commitment to the Lord a commitment to your wife, and a commitment to your children. Real men line up under the authority of God for their life, and they know what to do. We're not to provoke our children. We're to train them spiritually. We're to provide for them physically. And we, too, are to be worthy of their respect and their love and their honor. It is so very vital and important. A commitment to Christ a commitment to your wife, and a commitment to your children. There's just nothing better than that. There's just nothing that tops that. Listen, there's just nothing in this world like lining up under the Christ that died for us and going to headquarters to get your orders. That's a military metaphor to line up under the authority. Uh, Now, I went to military school. I I didn't get to go into Vietnam because of several circumstances. My brothers both went, Danny and Kim, uh, and I I didn't get to go. I was already a pilot by that time, but I was not taken, even though I volunteered, went through all the stuff you do. Uh, But I do understand the chain of command. Uh, I, I had a captain. Not too long ago, I was in Nashville, Tennessee in a seminar. I went back to the hotel after an evening seminar, and a man came down the aisle uh, on the opposite side. And when I saw him out of the corner of my eye, I looked, and I called his name. And he stopped. He said, how do you know me? And I said, uh, well, uh, Captain, I was in your platoon at military school. And he looked at me, and he said, you were? I said, this is Ronnie Spillers. And we hugged and embraced, hadn't seen each other in years and years and years. 
And uh, I said, I just want to thank you for being a good example. He was, man. You talk about shining the brass and had everything right. It was him. And he, I said, you were a good example for me. I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. Well, listen to this. He was just overwhelmed and astounded. I could even remember him. I remember faces really well. And so uh, I left and went back to my room, and he was checking out. And when I was there three days in this nice hotel, when I went to check out, the lady looked at me and said, your bill has been paid for. And I said, what? He said, yeah, your bill has been paid for. I said, who paid for it? He said, it's anonymous. I think I know who paid for it. Don't you? It pays to line up under authority, doesn't it? That's not a real good example, but it worked. I'm just going to tell you this. Men, when you're under the authority and leadership of Jesus Christ, it'll change everything about you. It doesn't change your personality. It doesn't change who you are. It just changes how you think, how you act, how you react, and it changes how you love. And it changes all. It changes every relationship in life. Amen? In just a moment... I'm going to give an invitation. And if you're here and you need to accept Christ, I want you to come. Maybe you already have accepted Christ and you haven't followed Him in believer's baptism. I'm going to ask you to do that. And men, as we have just briefly shared uh, some of these concepts this morning, uh, if you look into your heart and life and you find things that you haven't given to Christ, and uh, I'm just going to ask you this morning to give them to Him. Right where you stand. You can come and we'll pray for you, but right where you are, uh, ask Him to help you deal with the things that need to be dealt with. You know what they are, and your wife knows what they are. And so does the Lord. And so you ask God to, to just absolutely help you in that way, and I guarantee you He will. Whatever He tells you to do in a few minutes, you do it. Because you'll never be sorry if you do what Christ says. Let's stand together. What are we going to sing, brother? We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.